Once again, the Mariners' offense is nowhere to be found. And as a result, Seattle ends up splitting a series with the worst team in baseball. Let's talk about it here on the Locked On Mariners postgame show. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Locked On Mariners postgame show. It is Wednesday, August 24th, 2022, and thank you so much for making us your first listen after the game. We are free and available on all platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday through Friday. I am your host, Sadie Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at InsideTheMariners.com for Fan Nation over on the Sports Illustrated Network. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez. Gonzalez is D-A-N-E, G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. Be sure to also check out our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash control the zone. We post two additional podcasts on there every single week. And if this is your first time joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell, and give this video a thumbs up. It would really help us out, and we greatly appreciate it. The Mariners, unfortunately, today lose by a score of 3-1 to to the Washington Nationals, splitting a two-game set with the worst team in professional baseball right now. On the show today, we're going to dive into George Kirby's really good start this afternoon, this abysmal offense and if there's any hope for it and the 2023 schedule dropped this uh morning which typically wouldn't be big news for us here but there's some pretty interesting stuff to uh, go over there so we'll hop into that later on but there is plenty of time colby to uh get into the negatives of this game and we are certainly going to do that but let's start with the lone positive from today george kirby who actually set an MLB record today, 24 strikes, 24 consecutive strikes to start this game. It would be his 25th pitch that he would throw a ball. Uh, He did get knocked around a little bit by an aggressive Nationals lineup in the first inning and gave up a run, but from that point forward, more or less settled in, and uh, he looked pretty good today. What did you see out of Kirby? Eh, I mean... Does it really matter? The Mariners lost. Uh, so so uh, Kirby was uh, great. Like you mentioned, the 24 strikes to start um, major league record, at least as far as they've been tracking uh, this goes. Um, 11 whiffs on 49 swings. It's not a great number, um, but he did get 20 called strikes today. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, he was in the zone, uh, you know, whiffs out of the zone. There was maybe one or two. A lot of the swing and misses were pitches that were strikes anyways. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting mix from him today. Mostly fastball. It was very fastball heavy and then two-seamer heavy. So not a lot of breaking balls, not a lot of change-ups, uh, just mostly fastball, two-seamer. Uh, and he went right after a, a bad lineup, and he did what you should do to bad lineups, and he did what Robbie Ray had done the night before, which was pitch without much fear uh, that anybody in that lineup could hurt you. Um, you would trust your offense to score you two runs. Whoops, not going to happen. Uh, but again, it was, it wasn't like a dominating, like we've seen Robbie Ray dominate in the past, with like 27 whiffs. Uh, Kirby only had 11 today, but he was so efficient. He got through, uh, seven innings, still had plenty of ammo left. If the Mariners wanted to push him for an eighth, they could have, 
um, really no reason for them to do it uh, at the time. So it was just a ton of strikes, filled up the strike zone. Uh, good stuff today, but again, mostly fastball sinker, not a ton of sliders. Um, but, you know, he did get seven swings on the slider and three of them were for whiffs. So pretty good ratio there. Uh, and I, I just think the ability to throw, uh, get called strikes on all, I guess, five of his pitches now, now that he's introduced the two-seamer, um, is really helping him. And again, he pitched with very little fear of this lineup. Um, and it's it's good to see. His, his rookie season has been a a wild success. And if not for being overmatched or overshadowed by Julio, uh, he'd probably be you know the best rookie on the team this year. And uh, today he uh, not only set an MLB record for the most consecutive strikes thrown, but also uh, became the third fastest starting pitcher in Mariners history to reach 100 career strikeouts in 18 starts. So a really nice day for Kirby. Um, you know, and with the whole thing about his pitch count or his innings count and how, you know, he might need to be shut down this season or how they're going to have to manage that, et cetera, to avoid shutting him down this season. It doesn't seem like he's tiring out though. The later we get on into this year, it actually seems like he's improving. Like he's getting better. Are you seeing that as well? Yeah. The thing about Kirby um, is that there's a big like idea that innings pitched is how teams, you know, try and manage and, you know, the young arms in, in this example, innings pitch doesn't really matter as much as pitches thrown and high stress pitches thrown. Kirby doesn't have a lot of those. He doesn't have a lot of 20 pitch innings. Um, you know, he doesn't walk two guys and have to pitch around trouble that often. Uh, so when Kirby throws 85, it's usually it's a, a pretty easy 85. Um, and we've seen him be capable of, you know, I, the Rangers started through what, 45 pitches and in five innings and they took him out. Um, he's capable of being extremely efficient because of his control and command. So I actually don't think there's really any reason for Kirby to, to slow down. If it happens fine. It's, I mean, it's hard to blame him. Uh, he's, I think he's about to already passed his career high in innings pitched, I believe now. Um, but he appears to be cruising again. It's not a high effort delivery. Um, it's, it's very fluid. He's a pretty good athlete. So there's really no reason, uh, to think that you have to, to coddle him and, and, you know, to their credit, I think the Mariners did that a little bit after the break, and now it's you know, they they've taken off the 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 governor, and, and they're just letting them go, and and so they'll still be selective here and there, like they were today. Don't need to push him for every single out you can you can possibly get out of him. Um, but I'm I'm really not all that concerned about uh, any kind of you know him hitting any kind of wall at the moment. The stuff is still good. The velocity is good. He's throwing plenty of strikes. He doesn't look like a guy who's you know about to finish up his first really his first full season. Cause you remember last year he missed some time in the minors. So this is his mm -hmm. first full season from start to finish. And it looks like, like you said, he's actually getting better. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to dive into the offensive struggles in just a moment, but first a message from the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You tow your car. What if you kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. 
Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen after the game. One run is all the Mariners scored today on a solo home run by Julio Rodriguez, who joined the 2020 club today. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Very cool milestone for Julio in his rookie season. But that was it. That was it from the Mariners offense against one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball, which was led today by Anibal Sanchez, who entered this game with an ERA north of six. Uh, it's just inexcusable. Can't do that. If you're in the midst of a of a playoff race, if you want to be considered a playoff team, the Mariners go two and three against the two worst teams in baseball, the Oakland A's and the Washington Nationals over their last five games. Just can't have it. This is one of the worst stretches, if not the worst stretches uh, the Mariners have had this year, uh, considering the, the timing of it all and uh, the circumstances in which they find themselves right now, uh, where they're you know, more or less in a three-way tie for all the wildcard spots. Obviously, the Rays enter today with a half-game lead, but you know the Rays keep on winning. The Jays keep on winning. Uh, the Twins, the White Sox, the Orioles, they're all still hanging around. And if this offense can't figure it out because the pitching has still been you know, more or less remarkable for, for the Mariners for the most part, and I really don't blame Paul Sewell today. Obviously, shouldn't have given up that home run, but the Mariners shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with because of this offense against this team. Uh, if this offense can't figure it out, though, you know, we're going to see this amazing opportunity, this very clear path to ending this 20-year playoff drought come to an end. We're going to see it fade away. We're going it, to it, – it's just going to evaporate in an instant if this offense can't figure it out because no matter how good your pitching is, I said it yesterday, you've said it before, you can't win games zero to negative one. You have to be able to score runs, and you have to be able to score – a considerable a considerable amount of runs against pitching staffs like the one that you faced today and they just they did not so where do you want to start with this colby um can we start by uh verbally putting in their place the uh the mariner fans who have made excuses for this offense they have made the case that you just need Mitch Hanniger back. You just need Kyle Lewis back. You just need player X back. And oh, and this and guy by the way, not just the Mariners, the, or not just Mariners fans themselves, like the Mariners themselves yeah, as well here. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there is no justification, defense, reason, explanation. Uh, there is no just there, there. There's no rationalization for what the Mariners did. A, at the deadline, uh, and B, there's no rationalization for how fans reacted to what they did at the deadline, which was nothing to the offense. Nothing. The two guys they did get for the offense, they're not even playing. Like, they will not use Jake Lamb whatsoever. They keep giving Carlos Santana opportunities over Jake Lamb. Fine, whatever. DFA Jake Lamb. Get Taylor Trammell up here. I don't care. Kirk Casale. Oh, great. Yeah, look at this upgrade we made over Luis Torrens. Guys played in two games. Since the deadline, whoop de doo That's not an upgrade if you're not going to use him. So yeah, stop. I don't get the point of adding Kirk Casale, you know, with the intention of like we need to give Cal Raleigh more days off if you're just not going to play him. Like you haven't done anything with that. Right, exactly. And so I don't get why. What's what is the point of the Mariners to not? Because by the way, the Mariners have a DH problem some nights. 
why would you not just let Casale catch and use Cal Raleigh as the DH? If you're really worried about replacing Raleigh's bat in the lineup, let Raleigh DH. You can be creative with these things. Yes? Why is Dylan Moore getting at-bats against right-handed pitching? We talked about this yesterday. He's terrible against right-handed pitching. He should not be getting at-bats against them. The Mariners put him in the lineup today. There was no reason for them to do that. Adam Frazier didn't need a day, as far as we know. There's just no reason whatsoever for for Dylan Moore at this stage to be getting at-bats against right-handed pitching. There's no reason not to use Jake Lamb against right-handed pitching, especially when the other guy that you're using right now that he would be taking at-bats away from is probably Carlos Santana. And if you don't think that Jake Lamb is a better bet to hit against righties than Santana, then you should DFA him and call up Taylor Trammell. You cannot sit here and just look at this offense and go, oh, well, we'll figure it out because you haven't. We are on, we're closing in on month six of this season and the offense has never been consistently good with the exception of the 14 game win streak. And even then there were some real clunkers in that map in that mess. You cannot sit here and say, well, Julio this and, and Mitch this and, and Ty Francis, those things are predictable. Julio get Julio going through a slump is predictable. Ty France going through a slump is predictable. Mitch Hanniger getting hurt is predictable. And the Mariners did nothing either this winter really, or at the deadline to kind of protect themselves from those possibilities. And then you compound on top of that, Jesse Winker not having a good year, although he did have a good day today. Uh, you add on top of that, Abraham Toro, you know, just not being a major leaguer this year. Okay, it happens. And you kind of look at all these pieces that the Mariners were like, no, we don't need to improve there. We have this guy. We have Jared Kelnick. We're not going to count on Kyle Lewis for anything, but in reality, we're going to really kind of count on him to carry the load at DH in June and July. Oh, he got hurt again. What do you know? So the idea here that anybody should be defending the Mariners should be justifying what the Mariners uh, chose to do at the deadline should be trying to rationalize how this offense is magically going to get better uh, when there's no serious additions coming. Um, Just trying to explain away all these struggles with, Oh, it's just baseball. The Mariners have scored 10 runs against four of the worst starting pitchers in baseball this year. Eric Fetty and Annabelle Sanchez are not good. And neither are the two schlubs that the Oakland A's threw at them. They are not good. They should not be pitching that well against your baseball team. They've scored 10 runs in the last four games. They have gone two and three against the two worst teams in baseball. That's not hyperbole. They are literally the two worst teams in baseball. And they went two and three against them. So stuff the schedule talk. It doesn't matter how easy it is because if you play like this, you're going to lose to anybody. If the offense can only score one or two runs a night, you are going to lose 80% of those games and it won't matter what you do. And if the Mariners play like this, and I should say the Mariners offense, because the pitching staff has been fine. Seawall take up today. Fine. Whatever it happens. But if the Mariners offense performs like this, this weekend, they will be swept in a four game series and the questions about the choke and, you know, they're going to fumble away this opportunity at the goal line they will start to become legitimate and it will be something that we have to talk about because the team has earned that uh, condemnation based on their inaction at the deadline, based on their inability to hit based on, I mean, today was the first day they thought to move Ty France down to five. Honestly, might not be low enough. Ty France is, is nothing right now. He is hurting you badly. Every single at bat he gets up there. Is it going to last forever? No, Ty France will figure it out eventually. But right now it's devastating and you didn't protect against that type of slump at the deadline. And if you think you did with Jake Lamb, why aren't you using Jake Lamb? Why aren't you using Kirk Casale? Why is Taylor Trammell in AAA if you don't trust Jake Lamb? 
I don't get what you're doing here. Every single game you have for the rest of the year matters. I think you have 38 to go. Every single one of those games matters. And it especially matters when you're trying to break a 20-year playoff drought. So, again, stop condoning what they did. Stop rationalizing it. Stop justifying it. Uh, stop offering a defense or thinking you're offering an explanation by saying it's just baseball. No, the offense is an issue and it's an issue because the Mariners full, I mean, obviously fully believed that Mitch Hanniger would come and it would snap their fingers and it would fix everything. And by the way, Mitch Hanniger has been really good since he's come back. Offense still sucks. Surprise. Who could have saw that coming? Everybody. So it just, it's inexcusable. It's indefensible. Stop doing it. The Mariners had a trade deadline retort or a response after the Luis Castillo trade at the deadline. Inexcusable, unacceptable. Anybody who telling you, no, it was fine. It was actually fine because they got Luis Castillo. That's all that matters. It doesn't. They've scored 10 runs in four games against four terrible starting pitchers. That's the ball game. It doesn't matter how good Luis Castillo is. He can't win games one to negative zero or negative one, right? You can't do it. So there you go. I hope you enjoyed not getting Trey Mancini because, oh, how are we ever going to get Trey Mancini at bats? Oh, hey, look at that. Carlos Santana sitting fourth again today. What are we doing? It just, it's it's inexcusable. This is uh, exactly what I warned about mm-hmm. uh, when I went on my rant, which, um, you know, which is pretty negatively received, I would say. Yeah. Uh, post-deadline. Um you know, I the the response that that I see a lot, and I even saw today when I made another tweet about it was, you know, one bat wasn't going to fix this. It wasn't going to fix the issue. I agree with that. You're totally right. But that doesn't mean that you should not try. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to plug as many holes as you, as you possibly can, that you right. safeguard from as many things as you possibly can. Well, and yeah, that's going to cost prospects. It is, but look what the position you're in right now. I still think that the even after watching the last four games, I still think that the Mariners are the third best team in the American League. I still believe that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. But you know, and so so going off of that, you should be open to the idea of, of trading prospects to fix things, even if it's just mm-hmm. in the interim, even it's even if it's only for rentals. And I'm not talking about trading Harry Ford. I'm not tra- talking about trading Bryce Miller. I'm not tra- talking about trading Emerson Hancock here. But, you know, my argument the whole time and still to this day is you couldn't have found anything for Taylor Dollard. You couldn't have found a piece that would help you for Jonathan Classe or some package of your mid-teens prospects. Like, mm-hmm. what they added cost them nothing, which is fine. Like, I'm, I'm glad that it cost them nothing. I'm glad that Matthew Boyd and Kirk Casale and... Uh, and uh, Jake Lamb cost them virtually nothing, right? Because those guys shouldn't cost you anything. But that wasn't good enough. That's the point. Is like that's not good enough. Right. That you could have added somewhere way above the tier that Jake Lamb is of a hitter for a guy in the middle of your prospect ranks, consensus prospect ranks. There is absolutely no way that you could tell me otherwise here. You're telling me that Tyler Naquin couldn't have helped this team right now? Absolutely Him and his 129 have. WRC plus since he's joined the Mets? Really? That could Daniel have Vogelback. Even Daniel Vogelback. Trey Mancini, right? Like there are still, you know, not every big bat that we talked about went 
on the market. Ian Happ didn't get traded. Wilson Contreras didn't get traded. You know, some of those guys did not get dealt. But there still were bats that got dealt, bats that would have helped you, bats that are improvements over guys like Carlos Santana right now. And, oh, well, Carlos Santana hit all those home runs for you. That's great. That's fine. But Carlos Santana also has, like, eight hits in his last 60 at-bats or something like that. Like, he's, you know, you need better. You need more consistency. And the issue that I had with the deadline as a whole was right before the deadline happened, Julio gets hurt, Ty France gets hurt, and you know you're you're just kind of you know ty france gets another arm injury by the way so like on top of his wrist thing now he has the elbow thing or it was the elbow whatever order it was i forget now but like it's another arm injury you could see that this would maybe happen there there's some writing on the wall there you know julio you know you you can't expect julio to be 100 percent coming right back you know you can't expect mitch hanniger to be 100 percent coming right back we saw kyle lewis there around the deadline and they had to pinch run carlos santana for him at one point there were you know you will have a roster full of question marks with legs and what you did was add more question marks, especially with someone like Kurt Casale, who's also coming off of an injury. You have Jake Lamb, who's been garbage for like the last six years and has only been good for the last 25 or so games, and you're banking on that being real. And then you're not even Apparently playing those not. guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Apparently you're, you're not, because... And then you're not even playing those guys. You cannot tell me that there wasn't a hitter out there better than Carlos Santana that you could have added for relatively cheap for something that's not going to kill you down the road for something that's not going to hurt you when you make that deal there is no possible way that you couldn't have done that so this is what i warned against the at the end of the day though you know i i get it this wouldn't have you know a bat or even two wouldn't have necessarily fixed this but it would have at least it would have helped it put it would have at least put you in a better position to survive this Well, that's the thing is that if, if you believe that the Mariners are the third best team in the, in the American League, which you do, adding a bat not only closes the gap between the top two teams and you, it also is the team that further back behind them. It's not just about, about trying to sneak into the playoffs. It's not trying to hold off the Tampa Bay Rays. It's about trying to run down the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees that is find it funny that the that the people who are telling you one bat wouldn't have changed anything are the same people who told you that well Mitch Hanniger will come back and the offense will be amazing again I thought one bat couldn't change anything so if you're one of those people and you well Mitch Hanniger will fix it and then you go well I guess not but I guess one more bat wouldn't have helped and by How the way know? by the way Mitch Hanniger has been good since he got back he's been a lot better than I honestly expected you know and yeah. yet the offense isn't fixed right didn't have a good game today uh yeah didn't have a Don't good game he, today. I mean, really, no one no. did. But yeah, Jesse, 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 Jesse had a good yeah. day. Yeah, yeah. But it's just one of those things where, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But <laughs> that that call was incredibly easy, and there were a lot of uh, Mariner fans who attempted to justify the lack of action. Uh, not just Mariner fans, analysts too, um, and the Mariners themselves. Right, and so it just. You know, I get a lot of a lot of garbage saying I can't I can't I can't accept when I'm wrong. I don't know. Can the Mariners because they were. And they're still not admitting it because Taylor Trammell's not on this team. Yeah. Why is Taylor Trammell not on this team? It's 
because Carlos Santana, I guess, is just so valuable even, in the clubhouse. Or even if like Sam Haggerty can't hit right yeah. now, right, because of his shoulder thing that's going They're on. They're hoping he's back tomorrow. Hope. Yeah. We talked so about this if, yesterday too. Dylan Moore shouldn't be on this team over Taylor Trammell right now. Because you can call up Dylan Morgan in a week. Mm-hmm. And you're facing all these righties. Get Taylor Trammell. Imagine Taylor Trammell in left field, right, with Julio and Mitch Haniger. Um, and then your DH is is Jesse Winker for the next week. Is that not better than what they were running out there today? Yes, yeah. it is. So stop saying, oh, well, it's just it's such a small improvement. Does it really matter? Yes, it does. We are 38 games away from the end of this. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and you're still, despite all of this, in a really good position to break the playoff drought, which I thought was important. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong, but I thought well, that was important. I thought that was a, a priority even, this year. Even incremental changes that you can make are huge mm-hmm. at the end of the day right now because you, you got to do whatever you can to win ball games right now. If, and If the difference between Taylor Trammell and Jake Lamb is one win, that is not the same as saying the difference is one win from April until September, right? Yeah. One win in the final 38 when you have all these teams clumped up together for a playoff spot is so much more valuable than one win in May and June, between May and June. Mm-hmm. It just is. Mm-hmm. So just saying, well, it's only going to make one. It might only get you one more run, two more runs. It might only get you one more win. Good. Then yeah. do it. Okay. We need to switch gears here. We're going way over time. So uh, there's a lot to dive into there with the uh, the offense, though. So. Uh, the 2023 schedule was released earlier this morning, and for the first time, uh, every Major League Baseball team is going to face one another uh, next season, uh, for the f- and that's going to happen for the foreseeable future. Uh, so we're going to go through the Mariners' schedule and uh, how that gets all broken down for the Mariners next season in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action bet online is where the game starts so broke it down for you just a second ago but the uh, to reiterate real quick Major League Baseball is changing up its schedule and how uh, the schedule will be uh, divvied up for every team uh, starting next season and uh, beyond. Uh, Every Major League Baseball team is going to face each other at least once every season now starting in 2023. And that means that uh, division games are going to be cut from 19 a year to 13 a year. So the Mariners will only have to see the Astros 13 times a year next year. They will only see the Angels 13 times next year, uh, next year which a little disappointing. There's trade-offs, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. We'll only see the uh, Rangers 13 times a year and the A's 13 times a year from uh, from here on out. So let's bring up the schedule. It's uh, It's a doozy. It's a doozy. So it opens up. With four against the uh, the Guardians, who are coming to town tomorrow, uh, but they will be coming to Seattle for a four-game set to open up the season on April uh, the uh, the first, and then um, the Angels 
will come to town for three after that. And then uh, there's a long stretch of interleague games. It reminds me of those uh, those years where there would just be a full month of interleague games in uh, June or July. I forget when exactly it was. Uh, but the Mariners, they'll see the Cubs, they'll see the Rockies, they'll see the Brewers, and they'll see the Cardinals all, a row, all in a row in April. And then for those of you talking about strength of schedule, you know, strength of schedule has been a big topic of discussion uh, with the Mariners here this year. Uh, it's not going to be anywhere near as easy, at least on paper, uh, next year. September, the Mariners get series against the Mets. They get series against the Rays. They get the Dodgers and the Astros, plus a likely improved Rangers team. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be, uh, not super fun, at least on paper here's how the uh, national league games break down for the mariners so they're going to be going on the road to see the cubs the phillies the braves uh, the padres the giants the diamondbacks the mets and the reds and then coming to seattle so for any of you that are in the seattle area that want to go see some games and want to go take advantage of the opportunity to finally see some national league teams that you may not otherwise have gotten a chance to see in previous years the rockies are coming to town the brewers are coming to town the cardinals are coming to town the pirates are coming to town the marlins are coming to town the nationals are returning and the uh, padres and dodgers are also coming to seattle so colby uh what about this uh well actually let me ask you this do you like the uh the move to uh play all all teams all 29 teams every year do you think it's a good way to maybe expand the game and get more eyes on teams that you otherwise would see maybe once every three or four years no doesn't bother me doesn't affect me at all i, I could not care less about that um if i really want to watch the braves i'll watch them on tv it's fine um yeah no not really uh i i don't think it's a bad idea i just i don't i just don't care i guess it'll be cool to see the mariners back at wrigley but yeah i just i i don't i don't really care uh that much the interleague thing has never really mattered to me um plus you know want to get to see colorado that's one of the teams you get to see come into seattle Ugh, whoop-de-doo can't wait to see the colorado rockies who are they going to throw 200 million dollars at to suck for them this off season? I don't know, but uh, I think overall, yeah, the schedule uh, in terms of like playing everybody, I think that's fine. Like I, I think you can go with less divisional games. I think that makes sense. Um, there's not really a ton of like rivalries in baseball that, except for Red Sox Yankees, that uh, you know is is like you're going to be sad that they lost games from that rivalry. Like, do we really need 19 Orioles versus Rays games? No, no, we don't. So yeah, getting, you know, seeing Yankees Dodgers, maybe a little bit more often seeing, uh, you know, the Mariners going to Chicago to play the Cubs or, or I don't, maybe like Atlanta Houston is a fun like series. Um, I, I, I do think that it's, it's kind of fun that now those will happen every year. Um, but overall, I really, I, I think it's good. Much. I, I think it's good overall. Uh, I think it's fun. It's going to going to create more, um, exciting games i think just around the league like you said like yankees dodgers now that's a yearly thing and they can make a yearly like thing out of that right that can be kind of a routine it can be basically how the nba has has done it with uh with their schedule where you know every team has played each other at least you know uh twice i believe um 
you know, for as long as I can remember. And that's set up some really, you know, fun matchups. They can do stuff for holidays. They can do, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of stuff like that. So um, I think from that aspect, it's uh, it's fun. And I, you know, I'm, I always liked interleague play and obviously the shine has kind of uh, rubbed off from that uh, as of late when uh, the league realigned with the Astros moving over to the AL West. Uh, so that's become, you know, more common playing uh, teams uh, in the national league for the Mariners side of things. Sure. Uh, and also it's more spread out, right. You know, cause we're, cause like I said earlier, you know, they used to do it just in one month where all the interleague, interleague play would happen in just one month. And then there would be like a, a two game set with like the Padres sometime in May, but that was really it. Um, you know, now they have it spread out. It's just kind of at random because, yeah. you know, they have 15 teams in each league. There always has to be an interleague series at, at one, you know, at a given point in time right. in the season. So um, that's kind of taking the shine off of it. So I like the opportunity to see more uh, National League teams. I will become a much bigger fan of this charade if we get a Sandlot game, I want Dodgers Yankees in mm. California. I want the original cast, except for the one who's been arrested. Uh, I want them there. All right. I want to see is Penny. The, no, Penny's not the one who got arrested. I want to see him like, I don't know, like do what you did for field of dreams, but do it for the Sandlot. And I know mm. that like that Sandlot field doesn't like exist. Right. But like, just make one, just make one. All right. It's not mm. that hard. You're, eight billion dollar industry you can figure out how to make a freaking sandlot field somewhere in in california um and just you know play that type of game uh it'll it'll be uh it'll be fun and uh you know i i do like the the field of dreams game i think it's i think it's a fun idea that they came up with and i would like to see them expand it so i think for me naturally the next place i think of you know for for baseball movies uh for games to be played that i should say is is the sandlot uh so yeah, I, I hope they they do that. Um, if not, then I will not care because the schedule is about as useful as people trying to say that I was wrong about something that I'm not wrong about. It's it can go in the trash. I don't mm-hmm. care. I couldn't care less about the schedule. <laughs> Could you tell? I, I no had no idea. I just oh, just. Oh man, look how hard September is. Is it going to be hard? I don't know. Is it? DeGrom might leave the Mets. What if Scherzer's hurt? What if, you know, what if they just collapse? What if they're the Angels next year? I don't know. I don't I don't care. Talk to me in September next year. Then I'll know. But until then, like, yo, is, is it good that they're starting against Cleveland? I don't know. Right. Might be. Might be bad. I don't know. <laughs> That's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners Where's Carlos Correa going to sign? Then I'll tell you. For Colby Patton, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at uh, Dane Gonzalez. It's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11. That's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen after the game. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor passion and unique perspective on every team and the uh, biggest stories around the league follow the number one daily league-wide podcast locked on mlb on the odyssey app youtube and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace